0: You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Rams Nation, what is going on? It is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendias. I'm a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Today's episode is an exciting one. It's going to be your Tuesday edition of of the Locked On Rams pod. We have a few interesting topics to dive into. We're going to look at some comments from some former Rams. That was not easy to say. (laughs) Wide receiver Josh Reynolds, who joined the Tennessee Titans in free agency, as well as center Austin Blythe, who joined the Kansas City Chiefs just a week ago, or actually even less than a week ago. So it's good to hear these guys finally have their introductory pressers with their new teams. And they sort of shed some light In terms of why they ultimately chose to go elsewhere and why things didn't work out necessarily with the Rams, I guess you could say. And also, we're going to update our prospect pre draft meeting list for the Rams once again. We talked about it on yesterday's episode, and luckily, I got shot over a few more interviews on who the Rams did meet with, so we can give you a full list as far as we know. So, To begin this episode, we're going to start at the top with Josh Reynolds' comments, and like I mentioned, he and Austin Blythe just recently had their introductory press conferences for their new teams, and if you guys don't recall, Reynolds did sign a one-year deal with the Tennessee Titans, and I'm not sure if we know the actual price tag for that deal yet or not, but basically we knew Reynolds was going to leave the Rams in free agency. It was pretty much a foregone conclusion, the Rams essentially started to replace him last year in the draft about a year ago to this day when they drafted Van Jefferson 57th overall. You could argue that Van Jefferson was arguably a better player right out of the gate than Josh Reynolds was. So, you know, the Rams still went with the veteran guy in Reynolds, gave him a fair amount of run. He had pretty much career highs in most of the categories that you can as a receiver. But, you know, talking to these new Titans media members, he said some very interesting things. And I'll begin with his first quote where he elaborated on why, His yards per catch average was a little bit lower than it was in the few years prior. He basically said, we were doing a lot of hitches or... I was doing a lot of hitches on the outside instead of just the strikes, the strikes and the three level throws where I'm running the over route across the field. So I think that's a big reason why the yards per catch wasn't like it was in the past. And then he also talked about, you know, the lack of downfield throws in Los Angeles. And he said, it's almost basically going to be a plug and play with me and to be able to come in and do what I was doing with the Rams and maybe get a couple more deep balls than I was getting over there. We had some deep balls in the game plan, but sometimes it just didn't happen like we were planning on. Reps were just limited as far as deep ball wise. We couldn't get our play actions going too much when we would struggle in the run game. And that is very fascinating. Obviously, you know, we talked about it even dating back to this past season, the whole philosophical idea of former quarterback Jared Goff not really wanting to push the ball deep. And I think Reynolds does a good job in elaborating and sort of not necessarily proving that, but sort of, you know, giving us reassurance as to, you know, watching the tape back, looking at Sean McVay's offense. I always got the idea that McVay wasn't really interested in removing the passing game, the deep passing game altogether. I never thought that that was the case. You still had receivers running deep, not always. Obviously it was modified to some degree. It wasn't like it was in 2018 in terms of the offense and their deep ability and their vertical prowess and their intention to actually push the ball vertically. But at the end of the day, you know, you see Jared Goff just being way too careful with the football. And I think that's obviously a lot of the reason why they ultimately did move on from him on top of all the turnover worthy passes and all the silly boneheaded plays. But, you know, you go out and get a guy like Matthew Stafford, who couldn't be more opposite of what Jared Goff is. Matthew Stafford is going to look to push the ball vertical. And if he can't get anything vertical, that's when he's going to settle for that seven yard pass or that three yard pass to a tight end in the flat route, whatever the case is. So I think that's sort of continues that same trend there and then you look at obviously Deshaun Jackson getting added a lot more speed there I think the Rams are going to try to work him in vertically especially in the offense and it's just very fascinating to hear Josh Reynolds actually come out and say it now he obviously couldn't say you know my quarterback just refused to push the ball deep but essentially that's what he was saying he said that you know the game plan still involved some vertical stuff still involved some actual downfield routes but For whatever reason, things just didn't materialize. And, you know, sometimes you can blame it on the pass protection breaking down in the sense that the offensive line just couldn't hold up long enough for the quarterback to get through his drop and read his routes downfield. Or, you know, sometimes maybe the quarterback gets sacked. Sometimes the quarterback doesn't read the defense properly and takes a check down when maybe he should have held the ball longer and waited for something downfield to develop. All of it kind of plays a part. And it's also very fascinating and interesting to see why The downfield passing game didn't work. Obviously, it was something that head coach Sean McVay really wanted to improve going into this next season. And I think getting rid of Reynolds, replacing him with Jackson, replacing Jared Goff with Matthew Stafford. And not only that, but I think Sean McVay is also going to go back into the lab, start to kind of recreate that offense a little bit, adjust some things, tweak some things, try to get himself a better shot and more opportunities to actually go downfield and give Stafford a reason to look downfield because, you know, even going back to last year, you can't just pin everything on Jared Goff, even though I think, like I said, philosophically, he just developed into this guy that wanted to check the ball down. There's just certain quarterbacks that like to do that. If you guys recall, if you were Rams fans long enough, Sam Bradford was a guy who was known as a check down Charlie. That's what they call the quarterbacks that like to take those short passes. And, you know, it's hard to train that out of a guy. And it's very weird to see a guy actually attack vertical earlier in his career like in 2018 for Jared Goff and then suddenly develop into this check down mentality but ultimately I think it kind of pretty much just proves what we were thinking all along that Sean McVay was never going to be one to shy away from the deep game still had it called in his game plan still had it in the route concepts the receivers obviously always want to work vertical always want to catch deep passes but you know, for whatever reason, that things didn't work, sometimes the quarterback's fault, sometimes the O-line, sometimes something else. Anything can happen on a football play. We know that it's a game of inches and pretty much any little difference in movement or whatever technique can really alter an entire play. And so, you know, it's kind of weird just to see the perfect storm brewing as to why the Rams really couldn't work vertical at all as an offense last season. And I thought that was very fascinating. And some of that could be attributed, like I mentioned earlier, to the lack of very dominant offensive line pass protection play and talking about the offensive line we're going to segue into the next segment talking about austin Blythe and some interesting comments that he had in terms of why he ultimately chose the kansas city chiefs over the rams and while we've got you make sure to come connect with us on twitter you can find me at qbs mep and you can find the page at locked on rams bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it is the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. You just got to go head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's betonline.ag. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Tuesday episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. I appreciate you guys for sticking around and making it to this segment. And I did mention before the break what we're going to talk about in this little portion of the episode here. And I found these comments from Austin Blythe, maybe even a little bit more interesting than what we talked about in the first segment from Josh Reynolds, the former receiver for the Rams. So as we know, Austin Blythe did leave the Rams and did decide to go join the Kansas City Chiefs on a one-year $990,000 deal that is worth up to $1.75 million, I guess based on some sort of incentives, whether that's playing time or team success or whatever the case may be. As you can probably imagine, not a lot of money for a starting center. That is clearly a bargain deal for the Chiefs. They go out, they get a solid center in Blythe, a guy that probably boarding on that top 10 top 12 center level, never really going to be a big liability, never going to be a pro bowler probably, but a very stable guy at that center spot. You kind of plug him in. You don't really got to bother or worry about that spot. You just let him do his thing and you know what you're getting every week. And so, you know, this loss is unfortunate for the Rams. Obviously, it kind of pigeonholes them in a bad spot in terms of needing to go find a new center. I don't think that they have the next starting center on the roster currently. I know some people have talked about Brian Allen being a potential possibility. I do not want any part of that. You know, Coleman Shelton is a guy that they may look as the next heir at that center spot. And I have no idea what to expect out of Shelton. We've never seen him play in the NFL. So that would be quite the gamble. So I think ultimately the Rams are going to look for a new center. They could choose to wait for the compensatory pick formula process to pass. I think that happens in about a month. It could be in about 35 ish days where all the free agents that you actually add after a certain date and i think it's april the 4th april the 5th something around there i have to go get a check to confirm but after that any free agent that you add does not affect the compensatory pick formula so the rams may be waiting to add a veteran in that regard they may want to add a guy like austin Ryder, who ironically enough was the former center of the kansas city chiefs and if they want to you know keep all their comp picks which they're projected to get four of one in the fourth round for john johnson three in the sixth round for the losses of multiple guys morgan fox josh reynolds gerald everett samson Ebucom, those guys they might want to just wait and not have an addition affect that formula which makes a lot of sense so not really a set in stone position just yet they may still want to go in free agency and get a cheap guy like Ryder, somebody who's a veteran of the game i think he's about 30 or 31 years old now and replace Blythe with a guy like that but at the same time they may also look to the draft and I think they are pretty much keeping everything on the table as of right now but the interesting thing about Austin Blythe choosing the Chiefs over the Rams we didn't really have all that much information as to why we knew that the Chiefs obviously offered him not much money and we know that from the Athletics Jordan Rodriguez she said that the Rams also offered Blythe a one-year deal that was worth a little bit less than what the Chiefs offered so Probably had more financial incentive to go to the Chiefs, obviously. And then obviously the fact that, you know, he's probably going to be a bridge center for the Rams, play one year here and then have to go elsewhere. Whereas in Kansas City, he might have been offered, you know, the potential for another longer term deal down the line after this season passes. So could have been multiple reasons and aspects as to why he chose Kansas City. But he also said in his introductory presser, I actually was born in Kansas City. My parents moved up to Iowa shortly after I was born and then just continued to root for the Chiefs. So I'm kind of coming full circle here, being able to come play for the Chiefs. Obviously, I mentioned the team has been in a great spot the last several years, and I'm just really excited to get to work. My mindset is I just wanted to be here, coming in to play for a great organization, a great team, and coming in and playing offensive line wherever my piece may fit. That's what we're going to do. And that is kind of interesting, and I think it kind of explains as to why he ultimately chose the Chiefs. Didn't really mention the financial aspect of it or anything in terms of, you know, coaching or the roster or quarterbacks. But, you know, when you look at it from a different perspective, probably had a decent reason to go to KC. I think he's going to get a little bit more money in KC than he would have got with the Rams. Probably has a little bit more of a solidified starting role, not just this year, but maybe the potential for another longer-term contract down the line in KC than he did with LA. Obviously, two very successful organizations. It's not like he's leaving the Rams to go to... No offense, but to the Jaguars or to the Jets or something, he's going to a very good team that has Super Bowl aspirations. He's going to be snapping the ball to the best quarterback in football. So, not exactly a downgrade by any means, potentially an upgrade. I think most people would say it probably is an upgrade in terms of team success. And then, when you factor in that last bit, he was a Chiefs fan, originally from Kansas City. You know, it makes a lot more sense as to why he ultimately chose to go to Casey and not stay with the Rams. But, like I mentioned earlier, This does put the Rams in a bit of a tough spot here, sort of like a rock and a hard place in between that kind of a thing. You know, they are now sort of projecting themselves to maybe draft a center higher than they might want to. So they've never really been a team that I don't think has pigeonholed themselves like that. So I wouldn't be shocked if they ultimately do find a way to add another center, probably by way of free agency, somebody on the cheaper side, the veteran side where, you know, they can give themselves a little bit more options because If they're looking to draft a center very early, you know, they may not get a chance to get a guy like Creed Humphrey or a Landon Dickerson or, you know, some of these other guys that are slated to go early. They may go earlier than the 57th pick. A Quinn Miners that we know the Rams are very high on. They've interviewed him twice. I think they liked what they saw out of him at the Senior Bowl. Could be an option at 57. But again, you never really know who's going to be available. And that's always kind of the issue with the draft is that you should never really be drafting for need. You need to be drafting for who the best player is available, because in a year, in two years, that position that maybe you didn't need, you will need, or maybe that position that you did need at the time didn't seem like a very good value. You know, you look back to a few drafts ago, the Rams draft Taylor Rapp in the second round, I believe it was in 2018 or 2019. I want to say 2019. Now they draft Taylor Rapp at the mid to end of the second round and obviously they didn't need a wide receiver at the time. They had Brandon Cooks, they had Robert Woods, they had Cooper Cup, but guess what wide receiver goes after Taylor Rapp, and I believe it was DK Metcalf. The Rams could have had a superstar wide receiver, a perfect fit for what the offense needs in this era, in this day and age, a vertical wide receiver, a big go-get-it guy. The Rams could very well use a guy like that. That's why they went to go sign Deshaun Jackson to be that vertical piece, and Ultimately, you know, now they have a safety that may not even be a starter for them, a guy that doesn't look like he's had a very good first two years in the NFL versus potentially a top five wide receiver. So that is why you need to draft the best positions available at that exact time. Not worry so much about need because the draft is a game for Yes, the immediate future as well, but also four, five, six years down the line, you're basically drafting a guy knowing you want to keep him throughout the entirety of his rookie contract. And you need to look at it like that. That is the way the draft works. It is a multiple year game and not just a one year game plan. And ultimately losing Austin Blythe sort of positions the Rams in a not so good spot when it comes to that center position, maybe needing to sort of pigeonhole themselves in a drafting an interior offensive lineman a little bit earlier and playing that need game as opposed to playing the value game in the draft. And that makes a lot of sense going into the last segment because we're gonna talk about the last few prospects that the Rams have met with pre-draft. We have a few more to add to yesterday's list and that will bring the tally closer to that 30 number where the NFL is gonna cap the amount of pre-draft meetings every franchise can have. And while we've got you, make sure to keep checking back in with us here at the Locked On Rams podcast. We're going to continue our off-season coverage for the Los Angeles Rams all off-season long. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't even start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. Rock Auto is a family-owned business, and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Yes, you heard me correctly, 20 years. There isn't a better time than right now, we know, to support a family-owned business. So make sure you guys are trying to do that as best as possible. And if you are a person that likes to do things yourself or you're a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, you should just go check out Rock Auto. All you got to do is just go to their website and check out all of their available parts. If your car needs it, I promise you they probably got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com and write locked on in their how did you hear about us so they know that we sent you the nfl draft is weeks away it's time to start following our locked on nfl draft duo the draft dudes podcast watches every prospect so that you do not have to and the locked on nfl draft podcast is your daily draft news and mock draft podcast follow the locked on nfl draft podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts Welcome back to the final segment of this Tuesday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. I appreciate you guys for nearly making it to the end of the episode. We're diving into our third segment here prior to wrapping everything up. And I did mention before the break that this segment will be dedicated to the last few names to add to the prospect list that the Rams have had pre-draft meetings with thankfully i got put on to five more names here by my guy joey t so i appreciate you for shooting that over joey and as you recall if you listen to yesterday's episode i had 17 names here compiled that the rams have already met with adding five more to that brings us to 22 names total and as we know the nfl allows for 30 of these such visits and pre-draft meetings so 22 out of 30 we're getting pretty close to that number 30 doesn't leave much more space for the Rams. I don't know if we've maybe missed some names or, you know, some names just haven't been put out publicly, but hopefully we get to number 30 and get everyone filled in, but we're pretty close anyways. 22 out of 30 is pretty good, but we're going to dive into the last few names here that the Rams have interviewed with, and they are linebacker Tony Fields II, edge rusher Joe Tryon, cornerback Elijah Molden, cornerback Keith Taylor, and cornerback Brian Mills, And this pretty much just continues a lot of what we talked about on yesterday's podcast. And that is that the Rams continue to be interested in wide receivers. I think they had six or seven wide receivers interviewed over this entire pre-draft process. And now you look at the cornerback spot and there are about seven cornerbacks interviewed as well. That is obviously a tremendous amount, probably safe to project that the Rams are going to want a wide receiver at some point in this draft, a guy that can also double down as a return man. That's sort of a theme with some of these wide receivers and potentially adding more speed to that offense. Again, some of these wide receivers are very, very fast. So a theme developing there. You look at the cornerback spot, probably safe to say that the Rams are going to invest in a cornerback. Can't exactly say when. You got some of the higher end guys like Asante Samuel Jr., Elijah Molden, both guys. They could go somewhere on the back end of day one, most likely. Top of the second round or middle of the second round. And then you got some guys in the middle of the draft like Tate Gowan and some guys that are probably going to get drafted a little bit later. Maybe on day three, you got some guys like Keith Taylor, Brian Mills, and you know, so on and so forth. So a good mix of cornerbacks. I think the Rams are keeping their options open at that position. Probably going to want to target a corner at some point. I would be shocked if they don't draft a corner at some point in the draft. You look at the lack of off-ball linebackers. As far as I can count, there's only been two linebackers interviewed by the Rams. Both guys that are going to be either, you know, day three picks or potentially even undrafted. I talked about Tony Fields on this podcast before. I don't know if you guys recall, but I said you know, during Senior Bowl week, because he was at the Senior Bowl, that he was one of the guys that really stood out to me. I thought he was moving very well in team drills, in one-on-one drills, looked very active in pass coverage against running backs coming out of the backfield, tight ends, all that kind of stuff. I thought he was moving very well. You can clearly see the amount of speed that he has, the amount of athleticism that he oozes out of his actual frame and his game. So, that is an interesting position there, an interesting player in my opinion, but doesn't really project well for the linebacker spot. So if you are a person that is hoping the Rams are going to draft one of those off ball inside linebackers in either round two or round three, probably not going to happen. There are not many linebackers on this list. I think we could probably safely deduce that maybe they just don't care about linebacker and are just willing to wait for the later rounds and maybe that doesn't end up being true. But so far it kind of looks like that it's treading in that direction. The last interesting tidbit here is that not a lot of interior offensive linemen and not a lot of edge rushers either. As far as I can count, one interior offensive lineman and two edge rushers try on the most recent. Not exactly a high tally for two positions that I think most Rams fans are probably expecting some sort of addition, maybe as early as the second round, as late as, well, any round really. I think The edge spot, obviously Leonard Floyd coming back helps that, but you know, you look across from him, Terrell Lewis, a question mark with the injury history, Obo Okoronko had plenty of injuries himself and neither guy's exactly proven. And then you look at the interior offensive line spot. We talked about Austin Blythe leaving in the first segment, the guard play is about average. You know, you could improve, you could actually get worse as well, but I think a lot of people would like to see a new interior offensive lineman, most likely a center at this spot and really outside of minors they haven't really interviewed anyone at that interior offensive line spot so very fascinating i think we can sort of continue to you know pick up on some of these trends that they're going through here depending on and related to who they're actually interviewing with and who they're having meetings with it's gonna be very fun to kind of try and project what the rams might want to do going into the draft because at this point in time obviously everything is on the table but it looks like They're really prioritizing their passing game, their passing attack, trying to make it more explosive, as well as trying to slow down passing games as much as possible by having another dominant trio of cornerbacks like they had last season. And after the loss of Troy Hill, trying to replace and refuel that position with more talent as early as the second round. That is all we got for you guys on this episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. I appreciate you guys, as always, for making it through another episode. And make sure to keep checking back in with us every day here at the Locked on Rams pod. We're going to continue our offseason coverage for the Rams every day. And on tomorrow's episode, you guys know who's back. Former host Brad Motter is going to join me and we're going to talk about a boatload of interesting topics. So make sure to come connect with us on Twitter. You can find me at QB's MEP and you can find the page at Lockdown Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.
0: When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key.